All right, everybody, good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Getting ready for week 15. We just finished talking about the AFC, and we are getting ready to discuss what transpired in fantasy week number 14 in the NFC. Um, And look, the NFC East continues to be one of the more interesting divisions. Uh, The Giants did not cooperate, but the other teams in that division all won their games last week. This division still remains very up for grabs. Uh, The Washington football team is on a roll right now. doesn't matter who's at quarterback, who's at running back. That defense has been lethal. They've won four games in a row. So let's start, let's start with the Washington football team. And, and, and I'm expecting uh, Antonio Gibson not to play in this particular game. This defense was the, was the driving force. They dominated the San Francisco 49ers. Two defensive scores. Uh, they were able to get away with both McKissick and Barber in the backfield. But now there's the dilemma of whether Alex Smith plays in this game and Dwayne Haskins uh, re-enters the equation as a starting quarterback uh, for the Washington football team. It's been a great story. We've talked about it. Ron Rivera, Alex Smith. But this could be... A big challenge this week for the Washington football team uh, without Alex Smith at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, you know, they played a sloppy game against a team that shot themselves in the foot over and over again. That's not going to be the case this week going up against uh, Russ Wilson. Um, They're going to have to put up some points as great as their defensive line is, and it's a terrific defensive line, and their front seven is 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 very very strong and they they wreak havoc in every game. But you're gonna have to think that they're gonna have to score at least 24 points to win this game against the Seahawks. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they could do. I think uh, if they don't have Alex Smith for this game, I think it's gonna be difficult them to for them to beat Seattle. To be honest with you. Yeah, and they've tried to get, you know, look, Logan Thomas has become a, a much more difficult um, matchup for teams, big physical guy. Uh, that's really been the kind of go-to receiver, and you know, other than other than uh, Terry McLaurin. But, you know, there's, we, we know, you know, Dwayne Haskins is, is not going to be the quarterback uh, and not going to get things done the way Alex Smith could. Not that Alex Smith was lighting the world on fire. So there's a little bit of a concern. You know, it's funny, in, in a number of leagues, the Seattle defense was terrible all year long. And, you know, Wiz and I actually were on one team where we actually were waiting for the playoffs to unleash them. You know, last week they got hold of the Jets. And actually this whole, uh, for the Seattle, I think Seattle plays the Giants, right? The Giants. The Jets and the Redskins are teams that they basically finished at the season, but the Seattle defense is definitely coming on. So Washington has to be careful here uh, as they head into this contest. Um, now the Giants, uh, uh, you know, looked terrible. Daniel Jones did not have a good game last week. Arizona dominated them, and it looks like Daniel Jones is not going to play. So. Uh, Wiz, what are, what are we thinking here as the Giants, you know, kind of excited their fan base. They got the Browns coming in. We talked about this. They're going to be on Sunday night. Looks like Colt McCoy is probably going to be quarterbacking. You know, can you have confidence in New York Giant offensive players going into this game? We know that Goldman has been a pretty good player as the season has kind of worn on. A little bit more quiet with the rest of the offense last week, but this is a tricky one for the Giants. I know they got away with it in the week that they beat Seattle. Can they pull off a miracle again this week against Cleveland? Um, You know, it's a good matchup to at least be able to do something because Cleveland's defense 
has not been strong, but the the Browns, unlike trying to stop Lamar Jackson, are not going to have to worry about the running game of Colt McCoy. So he's actually going to have to make some plays in the passing game, and you can throw the ball against Cleveland. It's just that he's going to have to open it up and do that more often. I know they played the game against the Seahawks two weeks ago where it was just a defensive game, and, and, and he really never had to make many throws at all. But I think, uh, you know, this is the type of game where he's going to have to make some plays in the passing game um, to beat the Browns. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Uh, as far as fantasy um, value goes, I mean, it's so sad to say this, but at this point, you know, Goldman is like the only player you could really have confidence in. I mean, those receivers just don't get the ball thrown to them, especially with Colt McCoy um, at quarterback. So with the exception of Wayne Goldman, I would not have confidence in any Giants uh, going going this week in uh, in the playoffs. Uh, one matchup that I'm very excited about this coming week. Uh, you know, we saw the shift to Jalen Hurts for the for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know it paid off against the difficult defense in the New Orleans Saints. But Hurts was more mobile. He had a big game. Uh, got some players involved uh, that that weren't. You know, look, I think Carson Wentz lost a lot of confidence. Plus, he doesn't have the same level of uh, mobility. Uh, we had a breakout game. A guy who's been pretty quiet, uh, you know, so far this year is, is Miles Sanders. But, you know, maybe the presence of Jalen Hurts kind of impacts uh, Miles Sanders. But the Eagles continue to lose uh, offensive linemen. They're going to have to reshuffle again. Uh, Driscoll is out now. So more injuries there. But I am looking forward to that matchup against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, do you continue to expect expect Jalen Hurts to succeed in his role as a starter at the moment? Maybe, maybe for, you know, the short term. Look, there's just no film on the player. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just difficult for a team in this day and age to prepare for a quarterback where you just have to basically go back and look at his college stuff. There's just no film on what they were going to do. He didn't do anything special in the game. I mean, the Saints were horrible in this game. I mean, Taysom Hill was taking sack after sack. He's holding on to the ball. And, um, and I don't know if the Saints were – looking at their schedule and getting ready to go home to play Kansas City, but they went home to play Kansas City except with an extra loss on their record. And I don't know how ready they were for that game. I think they may have been looking past the Eagles. I don't think the Cardinals are considering the situation. So um, I think maybe short-term Jalen Hurts will be okay, but I want to see what he can do in a game where he has to throw and the other team knows he has to throw. And um, and uh, until then, I'm just going to hold off either way and uh, not be too up or down on the player. But it was, a, it was an impressive debut. He played smart. He did all the things that a winning football team needs to do. But in the NFL, you're going to be playing games where you're going to have to do more than that. And uh, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that when that happens. And Dallas got the win last week against the uh, the, the the very very uh, uh, I would say slip slip sliding away Cle- uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I, I, one thing I, I'd make note I'm, I'm, and good for Andy Dalton getting the win, but I, I was you know we talked about Kareem Hunt not going over thirty yards in um, in any game this year. 
this is an unbelievable stat, Wiz, and, and, and I was shocked by this. But Tony Pollard, uh, in seven games this year, has been over 50 yards receiving uh, out of the backfield for the Dallas Cowboys. And we've talked a little bit about Zeke Elliott, you know, played a little, he's been playing a little hurt of late. We know the offensive line is not the same. But the dimension that Pollard has brought this offense, and he scored a touchdown last week. He had also one very long run uh, off of the screen. But I was shocked to read that, um, that he's been over 50 yards in seven games this year. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how things shake out. You know, this is kind of leading into next year a little bit. Um, this is not taking anything away from Ezekiel Elliott. But the dimension that Pollard brings this team is, is certainly a different one uh, and continues to make big, big plays in this offense. Yeah, I mean, going back to Pollard for a second – you know, before Elliot just going touching base on Pollard is not only, you know, the stat that you gave about how he's been effective in a bunch of games. Now it seems like on a weekly basis, he makes a big play in the return game as well. Um, a touchdown a couple of weeks ago, another big return this past week against Cincinnati. And Ezekiel Elliott playing through this injury, the way he's playing, he's killing two fantasy players. He's killing the owner that has him, and then most likely the owner that has, in the same situation, handcuffed with Pollard because Elliott's not been effective, but yet he's playing on the field so much, he's not giving Pollard the opportunity. So, man, if you're one of these teams that have Elliott and Pollard, he's, he's messing up the stats for both players because he's not effective, and he's not giving Pollard the opportunity to be as effective as he would be. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, but I, I was really shocked to read those stats. Uh, you know, just just impressive impressive stuff. Uh, very impressive stuff. All right, let's uh, let, let's move on to um, the West and, and let's talk about let, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks who who had that easy game against um, against the uh, New York Jets last week. Uh, they'll play they'll play against Washington as you mentioned. Russell Wilson got to rest. Uh, you know, two and a half quarters, put up some big numbers. But you know. I'm I'm a little puzzled here, Wiz, right now because I I don't know if Lockett's playing hurt or not. This happened last year as well. We're just not getting really much production from the player. A little bit more this week, and we know they're running the football a little bit more, so they're not really using Lockett on those bubble screens the way they have. But you know, I don't know. I keep waiting for kind of one of those breakout games, and and, and Lockett has been really quiet since that big big outburst. Uh, you know, probably about five weeks ago. It's been more pedestrian efforts since then. Yeah, he's definitely been a fantasy football playoff disappointment uh, thus far. Um, you know, and, and then even down the stretch, if you're trying to make the playoffs, he just he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't put up many strong games down the stretch. Um, yeah, I really don't know how to explain it. I mean, it, it was just I guess it reminds me of when it was evident that Devontae Adams had clearly overtaken Jordy Nelson as the number one guy there. And, like, you know, I, the, the comparison is not quite the same because Jordy Nelson was kind of, like, banged up. He had some injuries. But it, it was clear that Devontae Adams was the alpha dog there over 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 Jordy Nelson. And I just think it's evolving where Metcalf just is the top, is the top guy there. And it's... Really, I think he's distinguishing himself as the receiver that 
you know, when when the game's on the line, even he's looking to throw the ball to Metcalf, and uh, and uh, I just think I just think it's one of those things that happens. And uh, Lockett could rebound and have a couple of good games in Week 15 and 16, and and win somebody a championship. But to your point, it's just been a little disappointing just how quiet he's been week after week, and even in some matchups that were just terrific matchups, and uh, still putting up fairly quiet box scores. So it's interesting. I took a, I took a look at this. Um, I was looking at the top 10. I, I used our, our, our league that we play in, uh, in, in the Palin Parkway League. So top 10 wide receivers, PPR league so far this year. Number three is Metcalf, and number 10 is Tyler Lockett. So it was kind of interesting. Now Lockett's number gets boosted by that crazy, crazy week that he had when he had, what did he have, uh, 10, 15 catches, whatever it was, three touchdowns. He really got a big boost on that, but the consistency level has definitely not been the same. So let's talk about the Rams, Wiz. So we saw what happened last week, and this cost one of my buddies a game, and you know, pulling, pulling those Seattle Seahawks players out of the game because Seattle dominated the Jets, and you didn't have the normal flow of a game, four quarters from Russell Wilson and the rest of the offensive players because the Jets basically... He four touchdowns. Didn't he do like four touchdowns? He, he, he did, but, but he, he did have four touchdowns. He had 200 yards, but you know all the offensive players got pulled out of that game after two and a half quarters, right? Like they went with their bench players. So, so but, but not having him for a full game, that probably would have been a lot more production. Uh, so now the Rams are playing against the New York Jets this week. Uh, we've talked a lot about Cam Akers. Uh, we know he exploded uh, uh, last uh, Thursday, a big game from him. Uh, but Jared Goff and this offense square, square off against the Jets. Um, do you have concerns about putting Ram players out there thinking that this could be a route? Because we know Aaron Donald is going to have a field day. This Ram defense will be licking its chops every time the Jets walk onto the field. Yeah, I mean, you always have to, you know, I saw the points from the game. The, the Rams are 17. That's like Alabama against, like, Mississippi State. Well, not that, not that, you know, not as drastic as what Alabama would be against Mississippi State. But, I mean, like, you you know, like you do not see a 17-point favorite in the NFL. Um, and they're a 17-point favorite. And uh, if you start Ram players – you almost have to hope that the Jets are able to muster some amount of points, 10, 14 points, where at least the Rams are going to have to do some stuff offensively to put the game away. Um, but there's nothing you can do. Like you, you can't sit Robert Woods. You can't sit Cooper Cup. You cannot sit at this point Cam Akers. So you start those three players with confidence. I would look elsewhere. I mean, Jared Goff is capable of throwing 400 yards because – the Jets are horrible through the pass, you know, and uh, stopping the, the pass. So we could have a monster game, but I think that is kind of like would be game script dependent and kind of like lucky that the Jets are scoring points. But with the exception of Akers, Cup, and uh, Robert Woods, I'd be kind of concerned uh, who else I would start in that game on both sides. All right, let's let's talk about the 49ers a second, Wiz. And uh, so the Niners are, have got a bit of a dilemma here on the injury front. We know Debo Samuel probably is not going to play the rest of this year. He pulled up lame on that first run attempt. I don't understand why they'd even trot um, George Kittle back out there. I don't think you'll see him this week anyway. But to me, it makes no sense to even do that this late in the season. And the Niners are unlikely to make the playoffs. Uh, but the more concerning thing here is, is on the running back front. So, so I'll ask you two questions. Mostert got hurt. We haven't seen anything on that MR 
MRI yet, but this, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. is on a lot of uh, waiver wires right now. And probably a player, if there's no Mostert, that can really inflict some damage. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is basically playing special teams right now. Tevin Coleman has really shown us nothing. Jeff Wilson is very trusted at the goal line with this team. He runs extremely hard. And then I wanted to ask you, which other pass catcher? Because we knew Ayuk is going to get a heck of a lot of attention and have a lot of balls thrown his way. But does it, would you be more comfortable with a Richie James or a Kendrick Bourne as, as a guy maybe on a waiver wire if you lost Debo Samuel and you're counting that? So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on San Francisco's offensive replacements if it comes to that situation. When we know it's going to come to that situation at receiver, I'm curious your thoughts at the running back position. So as far as, far as the receiver, as far as the receiver situation first goes, I'm just going to go back a little bit in history and when Debo – Miss time, the one player that was spectacular when he got in there, he had a tremendous game, was Richie James. And, um, you know, Kendrick Bourne's an okay player, but it seems like a lot of times he's touchdown dependent. Um, so I would say if James is out there, that's a player that I would say, yeah, I'm very much interested in trying to um, pick up as a, as a, as a waiver wire pickup. And going into running back, uh, waiver wire, if the news is out that Mostert's going to miss the game and you have an opportunity to get Wilson, like I can't even emphasize how much against the Cowboys you need to put a like, you need to like put every dollar you have left of your waiver wire money, then see if you could borrow money or mortgage a, a house payment or whatever and, and, and get money to get Jeff Wilson because without Mostert against the Cowboys, uh, Jeff Wilson's a, a top 10 fantasy running back this week. Yeah, and he did not practice again today, uh, Mostert. Uh, that that I that I did see, but I don't know what the results of that MRI are, are yet. But yeah, closely monitoring that situation uh, w- without a doubt. And uh, you know, I think a couple of players that could, you know, again late in the season, sometimes you have to maneuver. And these are this is a team. You know, Nick Mullins has actually got this offense playing okay. You know, he's not playing terrible. So yeah, it's just something to watch here. Let, let's go over to the NFC North and, and talk about Mitch Trubisky, who's looks actually statistically he's a top ten quarterback over the last three weeks. Um, he's playing well. He's playing confident. He runs with the football. Uh, we know what David Montgomery is doing. Allen Robinson is just a dominating force at receiver right now. It seems like uh, taking the play calling duties away from Nagy uh, has seemed to have rejuvenated this offense at the moment. Uh, what's your thoughts here? Are, are you confident starting Mitch Trubisky in a semifinal game if maybe you're not confident in one of your other quarterbacks like a Matt Ryan we know Stafford's out this you know probably going to be out this week would you have confidence at this point in time as the Chicago Bears kind of wind down the season and seem to have found a little bit of mojo in their offense oh boy possibly but I wouldn't like have confidence like I'm not like like if 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 Jeff Wilson without Mostert is like a 10 out of 10 and my confidence level, <clears throat> Mitch Trubisky is probably a five um, because, you know, is he capable of throwing for 250 yards, two touchdown passes and having 70 yards rushing in a rushing touchdown? Yes. But he's capable of being benched in the second quarter too. I mean, it's just, um, it, it, he's difficult to trust. 
if you're in a situation where you're playing your opponent and you're going to need something spectacular out of your quarterback or you're an underdog and you need like something big to happen in one of these positions for you, then I'd say, okay, look, you're playing the Vikings, the conditions, you know, it's in a dome and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. But if you have somebody more reliable, uh, I wouldn't bench that quarterback for Mitch Trubisky. Let's put it like that. You know, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking at my notes here at the moment, and, and this was, wasn't something that I planned to talk about. But, you know, look, Stafford's not going to play in this game. It hurts all of the offensive players that are left. I, people, I see people asking about Kenny Galladay. Stop asking about Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is not coming back from this injury, and you're taking a massive risk even if he does show up. So people asking out there, oh, what if Galladay comes? Forget it. But, but the point I wanted to make is – I look at this division and you look at each team, we're starting to see perhaps, and right now they're number three and number four at tight end in terms of fantasy football production. And I'm talking about TJ Hawkinson and Robert Tanyan. Those guys ranked number three and number four this year behind Kelsey and um, and Waller. Uh, but this division suddenly, when you look at a young guy like Irv Smith, Cole Komet is coming on. We've talked about him. I don't think he should be on waiver wires at this point in time. And Tanyan and Hawkinson. A very interesting division kind of moving forward with young stud tight ends. I, I just want to ask you, Wiz, if Chase Daniels at quarterback, does that, and, and you have Hawkinson, are you going to be shy about putting Hawkinson out there or even more confident because Chase Daniel will be looking to dump down and, and probably looking at that player more frequently? What are your thoughts there? And, and just more broadly, your thoughts about the tight ends in this division? I mean, I wouldn't have more confidence with Chase Daniels. I understand the check down point, but I also like the aspect of Stafford throwing it to Hawkinson down the field and they have a real rapport in the, in the, in the red zone. And TJ Hawkinson is going to be, if he, as long as he can stay healthy, is going to be an elite tight end in the NFL for, year, for years to come. He is an unbelievable mixture of receiver and blocking tight end. He, he is terrific. I, I love that player. Um, but I prefer Stafford, but I have Hawkinson in the semifinal game, and I'm putting him out there, whether it's uh, Stafford, Chase Daniel, or you at quarterback. It wouldn't matter to me. I'm just, you know, putting him out there no matter what. And yeah, I like these young receivers. I don't understand what the Bears are doing, to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't understand why the Bears just didn't say, okay, we were taking you with this early pick, and, you know, it's on my cool commit now from Notre Dame, and you know, you're going to be out guy and guy go out there. You know, you're going to learn your first year. You're not going to be elite your first year, but you're going to be a good, good player in this league. And then, they, you know, the Jimmy Graham signing, then they don't give – then it takes them kind of like to the end of the year. And I, I understand what the Bears organizationally have done with that player and what the thought process is of the Bears um, when it came to him. But to your point, you know – I'll use the expression that Aaron Rodgers used to describe Tanya and and the and the other players. It's those are uh, ascending players, and um, and there's a lot to like about all of those players. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about the Saturday night special. It's the 8:15 game this Saturday. Green Bay Packers will be playing against the Carolina Panthers. I know Carolina is obviously not at full strength, um, but but Joe Brady and his offense have made it work with, with replacement players. Uh, Mike Davis has done an admirable job here. But the Packers will be playing against uh, Carolina on Saturday night. It looks to be a very very tepid night in Green Bay for December. 30 to 35 degrees, no wind. So could be a very nice offensive game 
game. Uh, we, we know there's a lot of young defensive players on on Carolina. I'm excited about that particular football game. I, you know, look, I talked about Robbie Anderson last week. He, he, he had a big game, um, but that, that leans into the Green Bay Packers who continue to be, you know, the dominating force in this division. So again, excited about the game. What are your thoughts about Carolina in this particular game? I'm kind of shifting to the AFC South now. Um, you know, Mike Davis, by the way, top 10 running back in fantasy this year in PPR leagues. Probably most people don't realize that, but that is a fact. So this offense has really has, I think I'm super excited about the future between Matt Rule at the head coaching position, Joe Brady on offense, depending on if somebody tries to drag Joe Brady away, maybe David Tepper will take some of that hedge fund money and pour it in his pocket. But this is a formidable combination. I really like what Carolina has done all year long. And this offensive kind of has moved on, uh, despite the fact that they've had two of the biggest injuries right now, DJ Moore being out and obviously Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I just want to just jump back two things real quick before I talk about Carolina. One is Kenny Galladay. People need to realize one thing about this situation with Kenny Galladay. At this point, it's not a hip injury or a hip issue. It's a contract issue. Kenny Galladay was not given an extension. He's not going to come back and play. There's a new general manager that's going to coming in. I, I, actually, tomorrow, I think Louis Riddick is, is interviewing for the job. He doesn't have an extension. There's no way that player is coming in there and going to risk anything without a new extension in place. So the Kenny Galladay is not the hint point. I am sure that player could play, but the contract negotiation is at the forefront and it's lack of extension. That's the first thing that people have to realize. It's not the player not being able to overcome that injury in six, seven weeks. That's about a contract. Aaron Rodgers wants to win this MVP. I'm sure Matt LaFleur wants him to win the MVP. And if you notice now, and unfortunately I'm going up against Aaron Rodgers in my semifinal game, but when they get down to the five-yard line, Unfortunately for owners of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, they're not even considering running the ball. He wants to throw as many touchdown passes as possible. Even when they're at the two-yard line, he's looking to throw the ball. So I just want to say that the value of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams is going to get hurt down these last couple of weeks because Aaron Rodgers wants to win that MVP. He talked about it today. And uh, the fact that he's actually in a two-man race against Pat Mahomes, He's looking to throw as many touchdown passes as possible. As far as the game against Carolina, I mean, what do you think Aaron Rodgers is thinking when he wants Drew Locke throw the ball to K.J. Hamler? He must be thinking, okay, if Locke and Hamler can do that to the Panthers, what the heck are me and, and Devontae Adams <laughs> to, to the Panthers in that game? So um, that, that game could be a one-sided affair. <clears throat> Sometimes... When it looks like that, a team will play better. But I just don't know if at this point Carolina could keep up offensively with Green Bay. And uh, But th- th- to your point about the Panthers, there's a lot to like about them. They've played this season without one of the best players in the NFL just about the whole year, McCaffrey. There's a lot to like about their offense. Uh, I love what, what – uh, what Brady has done there as offensive coordinator. And uh, there's a lot to like going forward next year about the Carolina Panthers, including Curtis Samuel, who's been much more uh, involved in their offense. All right. So Wiz, um, 
Taysom Hill uh, definitely had his struggles in that game against the Eagles, holding the ball too long. They got Alvin Kamara back involved a little bit in this game offensively, in the passing game in particular. By the way, Alvin Kamara is still the number one running back in PPR leagues this year, um, You know, both, both in terms of receiving, and he's got a lot of touchdowns. I think he's got something like 14 touchdowns. But against Kansas City, this is going to be a different ball game because this, this team is not going to be able to afford to play they did last week. Uh, you know, what's your thought process here? You know, Mike Thomas, there, there, there seems to be a, you know, a good connection in that Mike Thomas is catching seven, eight balls a week with Taysom Hill, a quarterback. But, you know, this is a scary, scary type game in which the Saints are going to have to put up points in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I watched that game closely, the, the Saint game, and you know, Drew Brees is, you know, he may not be considered the greatest quarterback of all time, but I'll tell you where he may be the greatest quarterback of all time is <clears throat> manipulating defenses with his eyes. I don't, I've never seen a quarterback do it better. And the way he manipulates defenses, it looks like he wants to throw the ball deep, and then he's able to dump it off to Kamara, and not only throw it to Kamara, but get the ball to Kamara in space. And Taysom Hill is not only going to not be able to do that, you know, in his first year, he's never going to be Drew Brees in that aspect. No quarterback can probably do that as well as Drew Brees. But that's the difference. And he's able to throw it to Kamara, but he's not getting the ball to Kamara with open space. He's not able to manipulate defenses the same way. And I've seen some talk where – People think Jameis Winston is the better option this week because they feel with Winston they can match Kansas City or have a better chance of matching Kansas City offensively. But I don't see it that way. I see the best chance in this matchup between either Hill or Winston is to be able to try and control the clock and just keep Mahomes on the field and a lot of design runs and long drives and first downs and try and stay ahead of Kansas City or at least in the game. But with James Winston in there, I think Kansas City would route them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I don't think that's the play, but I'm interested to see what happens in this particular matchup. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. Uh, should owners be concerned about Ronald Jones's finger injury? He had a surgery on his pinky, much like much like Chris Godwin did a few weeks ago. Bruce Arians said he's going to attempt to practice. We know uh, uh, Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch. They got little Sean McCoy involved last week. Uh, you know, what's your what's your level of confidence on, on Ronald Jones going into this tilt this weekend, Wiz? Boy, I mean, if you have Ronald Jones, what a matchup this is. And then, you know, you see that again. The surgery and and you just don't know. And a running back and, and carry the ball, I guess, could be okay. Look, I mean, you kind of got to do what Tampa Bay does if you're a fantasy football owner of Tampa Bay plays him, you have to play him. I mean, I I would still start him with a pretty strong degree of confidence in his matchup, um, especially with, like, the kind of, like, sign that they gave to Fournette, like, okay, we just don't trust you at all. I mean, you just can't catch the ball, and we're going to keep you – we're going to make you an inactive, and uh, what a a boost around Jones owners. So, as long as he's playing, I'm sending him out there with – with, with, with confidence. All right. And the player I mentioned last week, uh, you, Wiz and I have articulated, you know, it's funny. I, I got in an argument with someone about Julio Jones. So my argument is that Julio Jones 
each and every year comes in really talented physical specimen uh but nonetheless he wins you maybe two or three games a year with these big big efforts but he's injury prone he doesn't get in the end zone enough for, for his physicality and now they just announced that he's week to week but we talked about russell gage and boy what a touchdown pass he threw to ridley last week a 50-yard bomb, just just incredible. But he's been incredibly productive the last three weeks without Julio kind of being around. Um, again, Julio's not going to play again this week. He might be hanging around on some waiver wires still. But I think Russell Gage in a game where most likely Tampa Bay and Atlanta will be putting up some points in this ballgame. Uh, he's an interesting pickup. Uh, but the argument I was having, and, and the guy was trying to tell me, well, you know, Julio Jones is, is the number one uh, in yardage per game over the course of his career, really from 2011 to 2020. And I said, that's great, but talk to me about consistency in a week out and week in and week out basis. He does not have that consistency where, you know, yes, he'll have that 30, 40-yard point game, sorry, 30 or 40-point game in fantasy, but at the end of the day, he has a lot of games where he's just catching four catches for 50 yards and not getting in the end zone. So, I don't know. You and I have talked a lot about that. You know, I'd like you to opine on, you know, continue on on that conversation that we had about, about Julio and your thoughts on Russell Gage as a player. Yeah, I think as Julio has gotten older, I think the injuries have been a little bit more difficult for him. The other thing that, you know, part of it is defenses, the way they've, they, they've played the Falcons in the red zone, especially inside the 10-yard line. And the other one is, I'm not sure the play calling has been the best, but it just seems unlike Rodgers and Adams, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They can figure out when they get down there the way to throw it to Adams, and he doesn't go away from that. It just seems like when they've gotten down there over these last few years, Ryan and Julio have not been able to figure out where he could throw him the ball. And I know he's been doubled sometimes when they've gotten down there, and sometimes he's not the he's a different type of receiver than Adams. He's not as quick and the route right. He's a you know a bigger stronger guy and he probably as the field shortens he probably loses a little bit of the edge that he has in between the 20s because that's where he makes most of his big plays but yeah I think I think you're on to something there I think that there are other receivers that I would prefer um, picking early in a snake draft and wide receiver I just want to mention here, there, there is breaking news in the NFL. Uh, and I think this, you know, again, the, the Baltimore Ravens passing attack is, is not an elite passing attack. But Marquise Brown has been placed on the COVID list, and they've placed a few other receivers on that. Now, today is Wednesday, so you're going to have to watch that situation. But even bigger, and we just talked about Ronald Jones, but Ronald Jones has been put on the COVID list as well. Uh, and they're saying that the likelihood that he plays uh, is low at this point in time. So those are, that's breaking news right now that you're getting from Guru and Wiz here. So, yeah, COVID list for Marquise Brown. And COVID list for Ronald Jones, I think the one thing you want to watch with Ronald Jones, if it, if it affects any other other running backs, but that certainly comes at a very, very, very uh, ill-timed uh, moment in the road here as we're heading into semifinal matchups in most fantasy leagues. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to make uh, Fournette not only, you know, inactive in week 14, and then the, <clears throat> the, the workhorse in week 15, so... 
Man, that makes it so, so difficult. Yeah, so I mean, that just came out just now, so kind of wanted to alert uh, our, our listeners to that. You know, pay attention to what's going on. You know, the NFL, anything, you could be surprised by anything going into the home stretch here where it's, you know, the drop of a hat, someone could be COVID positive. So it's a big impact, and, and you know, it's it would be very unfortunate, obviously, to lose one of your most elite players as a result. But, you know, hopefully your league has some policies put in place where you're able to kind of navigate that. But, but certainly very big news on the uh, on the quote unquote injury front uh, for two, for those two players. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's it. That wraps up the NFC Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we will be back to discuss tomorrow's game in some more detail and any other items that might pop up uh, tomorrow. Uh, but Wiz, I wish you a good night in the snow here in the New York City metropolitan area. Stay safe, everybody, and uh, we will speak tomorrow, Wiz. You got it.